You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. We're live. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. I said, hey, hey, welcome to the Man Cave Happy Hour. We're going to drink a fine whiskey and smoke a really fine cigar. It is time for happy hour. It is the Man Cave Happy Hour. Whiskey, cigar, spirits, the stories that go along with it. I'm Jamie Flanagan, and we are at Ambassador Cigar. We like to camp out here every once in a while for the Man Cave, and there's a very special event going on. The owners, uh, Sean and Jeff, invited us out, and they said, hey, you got to come because it's going to be a big Monday night, and you got to meet the guy from Foundation Cigars. And that's who we got with us. All right now, Nick, thanks for uh, sitting down with us. Pleasure. Pleasure to be here. Great great place to be on a Monday. Yeah. So, And also, um, he's been on the show a couple of times, the, the, the godfather of cigars from the Cigar Smokers of Michigan. Paul, thanks for flying with us today. As always, it's a pleasure, Jamie. <laughs> I'd like to be able to give my input here at the wonderful Ambassador Cigars in, uh, I believe we're Troy, right? Yeah, this is Troy. So the deal is, I don't know anything about cigars. I know nothing about nothing about, about nothing. Uh, I'm getting decent with bourbons and spirits and things, but cigars, I'm still an uber novice, and that's why we tag Paul in to, to help us when we can. And El padrino. Yeah. El padrino. <laughs> the padrino, yeah. So we need his help, and we want to find out about uh, Foundation Cigars. So first, uh, tell me about your childhood. <laughs> My childhood. Wow. Where do you come from, wow. Nick? What's your, what's I your, come what's from uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Okay. So I was born in uh, New Haven, Connecticut. Actually, little Italy there. All my family's from Italy, actually. They came over 20s. Uh, yeah, 1919, 1920s. And um, yeah, Connecticut, surrounded by cigars. You know, Connecticut cigars, Connecticut tobacco was something that um, you just kind of knew about growing up and especially all my grandfathers great-grandfathers smoked Connecticut cigars so okay. there's a lot of brands tons of brands in Connecticut up until like the late 90s all right yeah yeah so uh, New Haven started there yeah went so to you, school there okay yeah so your early your early child you had experience with cigars how did you get into the cigar business? What I led you into? I was 18, and at 18, I had just graduated high school, and it was uh, summer of 96, and I had been into cigars. I just really got into cigars. Um, I was all about it. I mean, first time was really just smoking a cigar with my grandfather. There was something about that, you know, as a coming of age where you were able to share this experience with your grandfather and... I just got into it, man, the history of, of tobacco. I was really into, you know, I'm still into history. I love history, culture. So I just really dove in. And by 18, uh, you know, that year, I had known everything I could about cigars and uh, was frequenting a local tobacco shop called the Calabash Shop. Right. It was run by two uh, women. Mary Russo, God God rest her soul, and Carol Velarde. And my brother and I would go in there every Friday to get some sticks for the weekend. And this particular Friday, I mean, it was live. This is the height of the cigar boom in 1996, okay. what we call the cigar boom. So 
I mean, this is when it came from your grandfather smoking cigars to, you know, New York cigar bars. And that's, I think that's when I bought a little humidor for my house. <laughs> yeah. Uh, around like this 90s, time? Right yeah. around 90, the, the mid-late 90s. Uh, Makes yep. sense, yeah. I joined the party train right then, too. So that was... 96, August. So I'm in this cigar shop, and there's lines out the humidor. I make it up, and the two ladies were running around just trying to keep up with, you know, tending to customers. And I approached the cash register had my number written down and said, ladies, I know everything there is to know about cigars. I know the pricing, the blends, the brands. I would love to work for you guys. They said, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll consider it. And uh, a week before I was going to start my freshman year at college, they put me in charge of the humidor. I called me up and... Uh, they had known my grandfather, okay. so they didn't realize that at first. <laughs> that definitely helped, and they uh, they put their full trust in me to run the humidor. Wow! And at eighteen. At eighteen. Wow. Eighteen. Yeah, yeah. And I was studying international business at school, and yeah, I just got totally into cigars. At uh, yeah. So what led you from you know being in the cigar industry to Foundation Cigars? A company of, of your creation? My creation, yeah, yeah. So foundation for me, you know, that was 96. So I, I said to myself, you know, four years ago, I said, I think I have built the foundation to start my own company and experience, you know, in the industry. Because it's a tough industry. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's tough. And it's it goes back, you know, generations. Yeah. I'm a, you know, young, young gringo, moved to Nicaragua and... Uh, yeah, so uh, I jumped in the deep end in yeah. 2003. Okay. I moved my life down to Nicaragua and uh, started learning the process uh, from seed to cigar. So I took that knowledge, you know, of just being in love with cigars, working the store, and had the opportunity to move to Nicaragua and said, I can't pass this up. All right. So, 2003, March 15th, 2003, I moved my life down there and... Never really left. Okay. Yeah. So I ran a factory there for starting in 2003. We were working out of the back of a house, you know, and uh, by the time I left in 2014, it was the largest factory in, in Nicaragua. Okay. Wow. So it was, uh, so yeah. So was this foundation or were you working for somebody else? So I was else? working for a company called Drew Estate, okay. running, oh, their, okay. yeah, yeah. running okay. their factory. And then... And uh, this is all as the boom is like on its way up and it's just... Yeah, so this is 2003. So yeah. the boom happened 96, 97 yeah. and then sort of tapered out. It, sure. You know, the bubble kind of burst. Yeah. But there were so many more cigar smokers co coming out of that boom and people that were into cigar smoking and the culture of cigar smoking. So um, by, by 03, I mean, things were pretty pretty steady. Right. And uh, it never took off like that, like 96. Um, but it's been on a steady incline, I think, sure. since that time. And um, yeah, so, so I'm sorry, going able, off on tangents No, no, that's here. cool. So how were you able to leave Drew Estates uh, and become Foundation Cigar? So uh, left in May of 2014, yeah. and I said, oh, okay. yeah. So I, I started actually a consulting company to start um, tobacco. So I work with farmers from around different growing regions of cigar tobaccos, and um, we're kind of acting like a uh, uh, middleman to help 
certain farmers that didn't have sales and distribution of their tobacco into the factories. Okay. Um, so I started that, and then I was just in the creation stage of you know blends. I knew I wanted to come out with a first brand that was all Nicaraguan. So the blend was filler binder wrapper. So I wanted to do my first project because I haven't been on the sales and distribution side of things. Right. I wanted to really just display to connoisseurs my love for Nicaraguan tobacco and also for Nicaragua, the country, the culture. Um, so I created a brand called El Weywense, oh. which is very difficult for... El Weywense? Uh, Weywense, yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. It's, it's actually one of the oldest uh, dances in the Western Hemisphere, the oldest indigenous satires of the Western Hemisphere. It's actually protected by UNESCO. So they protect the Great Pyramids of Giza and they pr- protect Weywense as a cultural m- masterpiece. So... Uh, my art director, his name is Thief Operandi, oh uh, who's great. from Esteli, Nicaragua. Yeah, a good friend of mine uh, for the past 15, 16 years. Created this amazing uh, band, hand drew it. We worked really close on it. And I really just started with that, the company on that brand. So that okay. was like the, the cornerstone. And I started out of a little cabin, you know, in Connecticut that I had built. And... Yeah production in Nicaragua and we just started so you know a lot of shops around the the, the country kind of knew um, I was behind the scenes and then you had the real hardcore guys that yeah. kind of knew of me and um, man these guys really took to our, our first project and and we started man that was that was 2015 so it was four years ago this month is that was that a foundation cigar that, yeah that, yeah okay, so, I, so that was the first stick for foundation correct so okay. I decided to call the company foundation yeah and because I knew I wanted to create brands and okay. blends under that that name uh, the other route would have been like other companies call it the company foundation the brands would be called the same right right, right so right. I knew this was gonna be a little bit more difficult path but I wanted to create brands okay you know? That hopefully will be around for a while. All right, and so and the uniqueness about that it was all from all Nicaragua. Ni- all Nicaragua. So the is, way Wednesday. Is that unique? Has anybody had anybody done that? There's yet, definitely or? people have done. We call okay, that okay. puro, right? right when right. we when we talk about cigars in Nicaragua, when you say cigar in Spanish, we say puros. All right. That's the common term in Nicaragua, right? Puros. Puro means pure, right? All right. A real puro would be filler binder wrapper, all from Nicaragua. Right. 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 People have done that. Um, it's rare in the sense of the wrapper. It's okay. difficult to grow wrapper tobacco in Nicaragua. Okay. So this outer leaf, yeah. it's so much thinner, silkier, sm- different than the filler tobacco. The filler tobaccos are very veiny, you know, thicker cellular walls. Right. Um, so wrapper tobacco has to be grown under shaded tents. So the light filters through the tent to produce a thin, silky uh, leaf so it doesn't have that sun exposure. For example, that right there, you're holding the High Clear Castle. That's a Connecticut shade wrapper grown in Ecuador. Originally, that seed variety was grown in Connecticut under shaded tents. In Ecuador, it's cloudy all the time. So the clouds act as a natural canopy and filter the light and produce that beautiful golden... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. 
See, I told you I could go off in tangents. That is no, that is, that's fantastic. I could go so, off how many breath. different how many different sticks uh, does Foundation so have? So we right have up? the Wei Wensei. Wei Wensei means the wise man. The in, that's what it translates yeah. to. So I make the Wei Wensei Corojo. I make one called the Wise Man Maduro. I make a cigar called the Tabernacle Broadleaf. Okay. I make Tabernacle, which has a Cuban seed grown in the Connecticut River Valley. Then I have High Clare, the Connecticut, High Clare Victorian, okay. Charter Oak, and Upsetter. So eight, eight different okay. brands. Yeah. What I was trying to do was, as a cigar smoker myself, mm-hmm. and also understanding working in the shops, was to create a portfolio of blends and brands that you could cater to all the different tastes and likes. Uh-huh. You're going to like something... Maybe I'm not going to like it. Sure. You might have different people that like things, don't like things. So I wanted to create a portfolio of, from price points to blends, that there was something for everybody that walked through that door. Right. You know? If there was no other cigars, you could find something in someone's wheelhouse of flavor within those brands. So we, yeah, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, the upsetters, yes. those are infused cigars, correct? They are. They are. So infused yeah, I, I've had some experience with, with different infused and infused blending. Actually, you know, one of the first blends that I did that came to market was infused. It's not necessarily my personal cup of tea, smoking infused a lot, but I certain ones I do love and I respect, uh, especially if, you know, you, you don't smoke cigars a lot. You know what I mean? It's like introducing someone to, to drinking. They've never had a drink before, and you start them off with a wild turkey, you know, without any, you know, neat. You know what I mean? It takes, it takes time to adjust. So I created an infused blend called the Upsetters, and what I tried to do was balance the blend of the tobacco with the infusion. So it's not overwhelming on the infusion or the sweetness at the same time, it's infused, so it's people either love them or hate them, okay. right? But I tried to blend it in a way where it's not all up front, like, flavor and infusion. So there's a balance. And I use some Jamaican tobacco. And um, I don't know if you saw before, one of the gentlemen brought me in a pack of Royal Jamaica that were made in the, from 94. And Jamaica used to make a lot of cigars up into the late 90s. There was a big hurricane that came through at the end of the 90s, and a lot of the companies moved their factories from Jamaica to the Dominican. Okay. But when I started smoking cigars in 96, Jamaica was making some of the best cigars out there. Macanudo was made in Kingston, Jamaica. No cellophane. It was Connecticut shade from Connecticut. Unbelievable. Royal Jamaica, Temple Hall. So, four years ago... Jamaica kind of fell off the map. Four years ago, I went to go see Bob, uh, to Kingston for Bob Marley's 70th birthday. So when I fell in love with cigars in 96, I fell in love with reggae and ska and rocksteady and Jamaican everything. Okay. Yeah. So it, it, this is when I'm and I'm smoking cigars from Kingston, you know, Jamaica. And, you know, before cannabis existed on the island, tobacco, the history of tobacco on the island goes way back with the Arawaks. So I end up going from Nicaragua to Kingston. This is four years ago. I was working on my Wawensei brand and blend. I said, I got to get out of here. Stress. And it was Bob's 70th birthday. I flew to Kingston, showed up the next day early in the morning. 
there's drumming going on. Uh, there's a whole stage. Oh the kids were there. Yeah. It was it was an amazing night. Concert at night. At the end of the night, everybody left, and some guy pulls out a whole leaf of tobacco out of his pants. Opens up this leaf. I said, "Where did you get that?" To me, and he said, "Up into the hills, man. Yeah, in the mountain." <laughs> so I spent the next five days sourcing tobacco. So there's still a lot of tobacco being grown, but it's more for the island. Ah. So we sh- I ship that to Nicaragua, and then I blend and infuse it with Nicaraguans. But Nicaragua uh, Jamaican tobacco is called cow tongue because of the shape of the leaf. Okay. So a lot of different tobaccos, like Cuban seed, broadleaf, they're rounder like this, and tip out. In Jamaica, it's much. Thin- it looks like a cow's tongue. Okay. Wow. So hence they call it cow tongue. Very mild, smooth, creamy tobacco. Perfect for infusion. Which so, one are those in your infusions? Those are my fusions, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, so now I So got the Upsetters uh, is basically yeah. my homage. If you look at all my brands, yeah. they're all homages to something that I love. Okay. Usually having to do with history, culture, and the Upsetters is all based off of old reggae album art covers from like the late 60s they were obsessed with spaghetti westerns in the late 60s early 70s so all of the reggae covers they all had like guys smoking cigars or it was the good the bad the upsetters different so that's what sort of the packaging for the upsetters is the themes there on a tour bus with Uh ziggy marley outside of st andrew's hall and we weren't smoking cigars. <laughs> where, where, where was this? Where was this Downtown and when? Detroit, St. Andrew's Hall. It was nice. that uh, late 90s. Awesome. Uh, so you just went and hung out on the bus? Yeah, well, the radio stuff, you know. Yeah, oh, you were yeah, doing yeah, radio. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we got to meet him. He's very, very cool. And the band, a great yeah. show. And it's, <laughs> so it was, it was a different smoke altogether. So when I was working <laughs> for the Vatican, when I stopped working there, I backpacked around Europe and I traveled with them him and his brother oh. all around Europe. So I would go to shows and they were like, what is, you know, they'd see me and then they just started letting me backstage and I would, I traveled for most of Europe watching oh. the shows from stage. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> nice. They would let me back all the time. You, a, you had a messed up childhood, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> totally messed up. That shaped you well. Totally. All right, so now Jeff here at Ambassador is one of the, one of our great hosts. Sean is here too. But uh, Jeff, Came by with one of the, uh, the High Clear High Clear Castle. High Clear Castle. All right, yeah. so I just cut it, put a deep V in it, like the T-shirts I wear. Sure, <laughs> classics. <laughs> not so not what, the one you got I on expect? now. What should I know? What should I expect from the the, the High Clear Castle? Man, the High Clear Castle. That's the Edwardian Connecticut Shade wrapper. Okay. The binder is from Brazil. It's called Matafina from Brazil. It's a darker, heavier leaf. So I always tell guys, you know, that wrapper is like the elegant evening gown. It's beautiful, nice to look at. Underneath that gown is black lace Victoria's Secret, Uh-oh. holding everything together, oh, yeah. holding the filler together. So it's going to have some some spice to it, but it's not shouldn't be overwhelming. It's going to be more on the creamier side. It's a lighter bodied smoke compared to some of the other uh, cigar blends that I make can be really rich. This is a lighter. When I say body, yeah. I kind of say body is for uh, milk, skim milk, half and half cream. Right, mm-hmm. skim milk is going to be more your lighter body, and that's different than strength, right? For me, absolutely. Um, so that's going to be in your lighter bodied, but have some good spice. Shouldn't be overwhelming. 
Um, it should sort of round out as you get through the first first third. This is a project uh, I, I collaborated with. Lord Carnarvon is his name. Lord Carnarvon? Lord Carnarvon. He's the godson to the Queen of England. Oh, okay. And he is an amazing, amazing human being. Uh, a friend of mine and Lord Carnarvon. Is that where are, the castle comes in? That's play? where the castle. He actually lives in the castle with Hi, his he lives in High Clare castle. castle, which is right. the real Downton Abbey. Oh, shut so up. So Downton Abbey is where they film. Uh, Downton Abbey is filmed at High Clare Castle. Yeah, they're just releasing the film this month. Yeah, but it came out. Yeah, it came out yesterday. We're also or releasing a gin called High Clare Castle Gin. Oh. So my buddy started uh, High Clare Castle Gin, and ended up introducing me to Lord Carnarvon. Lord Carnarvon came down to Nicaragua. And that's actually the f- the first place we met, and really hit it off. The history of cigar smoking at High Clare goes back hundreds of years. Sure. I geeked out. Got to access the archives at the castle. See all the old receipts from the factories and different tobacconists they were buying cigars from in the 20s and use that as an inspiration for this for the cigar in the line high clerk castle nick as, as i'm talking to you yeah uh, I'm, I'm starting to hate you a little bit <laughs> um holy crap that's that is um, that's like very very neat that's uh i'll tell yeah. you what the one of the neatest things is <laughs> is his great-grandfather discovered king tut's tomb he was the one that funded Howard Carter. He was an amateur archaeologist. For 16 years, was working with Howard Carter, and on the last year found King Tut. I was just there a week and a half ago because we, we launched the gin at the castle. It was unbelievable. Down in the basement is we store the cigars in the wine cellar. They have a full replica of King Tut's tomb in the basement. That is cool. It was insane. So in the, in the place that's Downton Abbey, yeah. there's a replica of King Tut. The Ting, whole tomb. The King whole Tut's tomb. tomb in the basement. The whole tomb. Oh, my God. Wow. And so you got to you oh, know, yeah. smoke yeah, you a cigar with King Tut. You can't take <laughs> pictures down there, yeah. but, yeah. He was smoking cigars down I mean, when he did, they it's discovered it. He can do what he wants. Well, I mean, when they found him, <laughs> when they oh. found King Tut, yeah, there's yeah. pictures of him smoking uh yeah, uh, his Ashley Lord Carnarvon, the uh, he was the fifth Earl of Carnarvon. He he was a big cigar smoker. Oh my God! Big cigar smoker. Uh, just that is. A, yeah. uh, just so a I have some of his receipts um, of different cigars he was purchasing from that time. So now the gin, the 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 Highclere Castle gin. Yes. Would you pair that with the high? I would pair it with that cigar with actually. Cigar. Yeah, definitely. This is, this is like this is It's uh, actually I'm not just saying that cuz they're the same brands, but as sure. far as the blends go and gin, I'm just learning more about gin myself. Um the cool thing about the High Clare gin is that they used it's a 5,000 acre estate. Yeah. They used the juniper uh they actually put some oats in the blend. Okay. Um so it's really really unique. But it goes really nicely with that. Yeah, we haven't really ventured down the road for gin yet on the man cave. Yeah. But we plan to. Um, and that's what I found, that in England it's a little bit more... Uh, they have gin bars gin. everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's... They're, they're, it's yeah. Like, well, you know, we're all about the whiskey and the bourbon here in the States. Right. But you get over there and it's... Uh, you're heading... Yeah, it seems to be growing sure. in Europe. Uh, yeah. Definitely in England, it's... I mean, and the thing I found too that as you're as you're saying that James and uh, smoking that nice uh, Connecticut shade cigar, 
your gins and your your bourbons, the the clear alcohols, yeah. really I found tend to pair a lot better with your Connecticut shade cigars because of that creaminess in the wrapper. That makes sense. Yeah, that's uh, what you know. We we've been on before with Zim's vodka. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. I, and every time you've had me on, I've I brought a Connecticut shade. Sure. Um, yeah, it and, makes sense, right? You wouldn't it wouldn't go really with a heavier. Yeah, and yeah. even in uh, the video reviews we've done. I think I've done one review um, with gin. I did gin and tonic, right? And I paired it with the Griffins, which is a Davidoff product. Oh yeah, product. Griffins, yeah, sure. And you know went really well because you want you want that creaminess, but you don't want anything too heavy, where the cigar is overpowering, overpowering the, the gin yeah. or the, or that vodka. Yeah. So I think I got a I got a I got a favorite here with the the High Clear Castle. I, I really you have do. good taste. You have I good just, taste. So, so uh, now now I got to pin Nick down. He, oh yeah. He, he Let's said do it. His, he uh, had his first cigar with his grandfather. Yeah. Do you remember what that cigar was? Oh. One of the first cigars. It was actually um, Opus Number Two, oh. Torpedo, because those were like. Damn. Yeah. So you got off on the right foot right Man, out the, Opus, right out the Opus was like ninety. I still have two Opus torpedoes in my humidor from ninety six. Wow. Um, the wrapper is a little rough, but um, man, yeah, that cigar. My brother, grandfather. My grandfather would smoke a lot of um, like Lanceros. That was his. He loved Lancero. Okay. Yeah, he smoked a lot. A lot of Connecticut brands too. So Connecticut. My other say, grandfather. Having grown up in Connecticut, did you find that there was a tendency of people to, to go toward the Connecticut? A lot, man. There was a lot of Connecticut. Man, it was in the distribution on those cigars. They were everywhere. Like every, every even convenience store. And you would, oh, in Connecticut, Northeast, always had five packs of Connecticut cigars. I mean, they were a staple for so many years. It's just. So many of the brands never changed with the times. They're, one of the only brands that made it through was Topper Cigars. And Chris Topper, he's out of um, Meriden, Connecticut. Right. His family had been making cigars forever. Other than that, a lot of the brands um, faded away. FD Grave, Moneymaker, Farnham Drives, uh, Topstone. There were so many brands. That was my Charter Oak brand I created was really to... Pay homage to those Connecticut cigars and to fill that void in the market of Connecticut cigars were always really great cigars at a really great price. You know, mm-hmm. they they didn't, you know, they don't have necessarily the depth and complexity you're going to get from, you know, the higher price point cigars. But what you're getting was great, especially if you're like cutting the lawn or out and about. Uh, so my Charter Oak line was really base to fill in that that kind of that i had a lot of guys that you know wanted that everyday cigar that you know you know it's budget friendly you you don't want to be uh having a 20 dollar cigar every morning all the time yeah yeah (laughs) so i did that a couple times over the summer is like uh cranked up the hot tub a pot of coffee and a cigar and then just enjoyed the enjoyed the morning that's it man well i I get get rained on by my neighbors because i'm out there every saturday morning with a uh Brick house, yeah. uh, Connecticut, yeah. mowing the lawn. Nice. They're like, really? And I'm like, listen, it, it's a relatively inexpensive cigar. I oh, go, why? They're it, cigar smokers? Uh, they don't like you smoking well, brick they, 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 I don't have a – my neighbors will, will smoke 
But they, they, they'll come over and, you know, bum what I have in my humidor. Oh, okay. You know? I thought they were mad. No, at, they, they, were were mad. They, they, okay. they were just, what, what are you smoking? And, and, you know, they're like, you're the guy that needs to have that one of those plastic beer helmets with the, with the cans <laughs> on the side. They go, you know, one of those on, you know, with a cigar in your mouth as you're mowing your lawn kind of yeah. guy. And I'm like, no, you know, it's, I like to have a smoke, though, while I'm mowing the lawn. You know, it's kind of my relaxation yeah. for the day, you know, as I'm getting the job done. And, yeah. You know, I don't want a $20 cigar that I'm going to be dropping all over the place. But yeah. Have you, you tried know, the Charter Oaks? I have not, but I, I guarantee I'll be buying some today. Yeah. You should try them, yeah. The Connecticut Shades are really good. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's yeah, a, there's a lot, really a lot of nice Connecticut Shades out there, and it's always interesting to try different ones to sure. you know get different flavor profiles on them and see what you like. We received number one best value cigar of the year from Cigar Aficionado for Charter Oak this year. Hey. Oh, the Rothschild, Connecticut, yeah. 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 I was gonna. I was gonna ask you about because there were a couple big awards this year that came down. Yeah. Um, so who awarded you and and what? Uh, so we got um, number three cigar of the year for Cigar Aficionado, which was was huge. Yeah. yeah. So which, uh, which stick was that? That was the Wiseman Maduro Robusto. Okay. Yeah. So that was my um, Mexican San Andreas wrapper, all Nicaraguan binder filler, just a phenomenal phenomenal smoke. Okay. That's the brother to the Wawense, Corojo. Which the Wawense got top 25 the year before last. Um, our Tabernacle Havana Seed got number one on Cigar Dojo. All right. um, and, and the years past, which was great, we got a couple of uh, consensus awards. Sure. So the consensus was um, Half Wheel took all of the blog sites and did a consensus of what cigars got number one. Um, the Wise Man Maduro got last year, and so did the uh, Wawense. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, that's what I, I've got here is the Wise so Man is Maduro. So is that important? I mean, you know, I mean, ego stroke and everything, you know, but is that important for foundation cigars to compete in these things and to, to win these things? Listen, awareness is important, you know, of just, of just getting people aware of the brands. Personally, you know, just with ratings in general for myself, everybody ha- likes something different. So it's hard to... It's hard to put a rating on something that, it's you know, subjective. you. it's very subjective. So, um, but it is, you know, for me, Cigar Aficionado, I've been reading Cigar Aficionado forever. And, you know, just the awareness that brings to smokers is just incredible, you know. You have hardcore people, you know, hardcore Cigar smokers, this guy. He, he's hardcore. <laughs> You're into it. You read about it. Yeah, I would absolutely. say the common cigar smoker is picking up a couple every month, you know? So they're not necessarily into it to a level, you know, where you're diving deep into it. So that really helps, you know, with just brand awareness because otherwise people just know the more well-known brands, Romeo and Juliet, Monte Cristo, you know, all great brands, but... So you walk in it's, the humidor, what's going to catch your eyes? The ones you heard of? Yeah. So, yeah. Paul, how is, how is it important to you? Because you, you know, Godfather, uh, Cigar Godfather, and it's the Michigan uh, Cigar Smokers of Michigan, Michigan. Facebook yep. group. And there's like over 1,800 people in this group. And you do reviews for the, the group. You just Well, you just do reviews for yourself and put them up there. Um, but how important are the reviews and those awards, like in, you know, Cigar Aficionado? You know, I always, when, when I see the top 25 come out, I mean, I, I'm drooling come early December because usually they like to put that those top 25 out yeah. right before the holidays uh. so everybody can go run and grab their, you know, the, these sticks that have hit okay. the top 25. Okay. Um, I've gotten to a point now 
between January and December now, I'm smoking different stuff going, well, the one I like hit the top 25. Okay. You know, it's something I like going to be on there. Um, last year, I fell in love with the My Father uh, La Opulenza, yeah. which I think came in number two. Yeah. Okay. And I, I said, I the first time I smoked it, I said, this will be a top 25 stick. The fact that it hit number two, I was shocked at. All right. But I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. I actually picked out a good one. So we we I like it from the standpoint of when I see these top 25 comes out, I'll usually go and start reviewing those sticks just, you know, to kind of give our members an idea. Oh, sure. Um, yeah. You know, but there's other ones mm-hmm. as, uh, within the group. Throughout the year, you'll see, like, in June, all of a sudden, everybody's smoking. You know, you'll see guys posting pictures of the same stick over and over, and you're like, oh, I haven't tried that one yet. Mm-hmm. I got to go check that one out. Yeah. Um, so it's always interesting. I was very unfamiliar with uh, Foundation Cigars. That's until, what I was going to ask. Had you had you had an awareness before? No, I really didn't have an awareness okay. until they came out with uh, the Top 25, and oh. I'm like, oh, I've got to go check that one out. It's a great yeah so that's cool you know and there's a lot of guys um in our group that will argue oh the top 25 in cigar aficionado a lot of it is based on yeah is someone you know giving them a little bit more money in advertising or whatever and and i can't speak to that you know um up to that point like i they covered the release of the company when i started um everything from the beginning so you know, they never hit me up one time, so we we got that without yeah, from you know my, from any my of that. From my standpoint, so. it's, it's a great benchmark. Yeah. You know, especially if they have something that hits on there that you haven't tried before. Yeah. Um, I know the uh, LFD Andalusian Bowl came out as number one a few years ago. Yeah. A lot of people like it. It was one of those ones I went. How did it hit number one? I, yeah. I was not a fan. I, you know, I it, mean, I, I again, w- everybody's palate's different. Everybody's so. palate's different, and it's so subjective yeah. that. You know, so you should use all ratings as a benchmark of trying it for yourself and seeing what you like and what you don't like. Maybe sometimes it will be spot on. Maybe sometimes, you know, it's something you don't like and you don't understand why it might made somebody's top 25. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes people get on Cigar Aficionado because they think it's ratings and the dollars and then this and that. Yeah. I would make the argument sometimes that you're smaller companies or blogs would be much more influenced in their top 10s or top 25s than a cigar aficionado because cigar aficionado is really the the you know the ruling the hen and uh i know mr shankin doesn't mess around that guy so if you take a blog you know if you're a smaller blog and i'm a company and i pay you know advertising dollars on your blog you got to have some Huevos, not to put me in your top ten. You know what I mean? It's not that I would ask for that because I really, you know, I would. To me, I would never, you know, ask something like that or ever want to pay for a rating. But Uh, it would be much more influential, you know, if it's a smaller block. Yeah, Yeah. but yeah, yeah, too, and we, you know. Advertising was non-existent. I just started doing some web advertising, but up to that point, like again, they just every time I had a story come out, they covered it, and um, yeah. So right, where are the foundation cigars uh, available? Is across the states or ambassadors cigars? Ambassadors cigar here, yeah. <laughs> here in the and here spirits. In, and, yeah, and food. Um, so we have. <laughs> um, 
we have about 600 accounts right now across across the country. So pretty much every state at okay. this point, you can find Foundation Cigars. We really, you know, love supporting um, brick-and-mortar shops, local shops. We really price protect, you know, all of our stuff online. So okay. everything's, you know, pretty much the same price across the board. Uh, unfortunately, we got to deal with state taxes, yeah, sure. you know, the, the excise taxes. Um, but other than that, you know, I come from brick and brick and mortar shop. So, yeah. you know, for me, it's just important to keep that the playing field level. It's and, funny that you brought up state taxes because uh, it leads, leads me to another question with uh, these new F, FDA regulations and restrictions that they've been talking about with new you know, you know, packaging and all that stuff. A- any thoughts on that as someone who's coming from the industry? Yeah, it's madness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think, uh, you know, more people die from peanut allergies every year than from cigar smoking. So um, I don't see, you know, 30% of the peanuts having warning stickers. You know, that, that's just killer. That, the warning stickers on the boxes... You know, it might be the, the the least of our concerns, but that would kill me just to see, you know, those obnoxious <laughs> stickers. Come on, we're all adults here. It's like, you know, at this point, there's no factual information to back up that cigar smoking is in any way some kind of public health threat. I mean, this is not... This is not there. But people generally automatically lump it in with cigarettes. And that's what totally. the government has done yeah. on a lot of its legislation it's just against the cigar industry. It yeah, seems like it, you've had a rough haul in the last It's all years. lumped in with, uh, you know, the vape and the larger right. mass market machine made cigar products. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, you know, it's apples and oranges. You know, this is one of the few handmade products. I mean, the volume of what we're talking about. We are a unique bunch, the cigar smoking community, you know. A lot of people say, you know, talk about boutiques in our industry and what brands are boutique and what, you know, what's not boutique. The whole industry is boutique. Compared to other products, tobacco products in the category, I mean, we are less than a half of a percent of the whole tobacco category. When it comes to cigars, we're less than 2%. Everything else is machine-made and being sold in gas stations for 99 cents. It's a whole different product. And if they go too hard, you know, you're going to end up destroying small business jobs here in the States. You're going to end up damaging economies, whole economies in Central America and the Caribbean. Yeah. Where are people going to go? They're going to want to try to cross the border into our country because you're going to automatically eliminate tons of jobs through regulation. You're going to cause immigration problems. And it's just a disaster all the way through. And it's my grandfather's 94. He's been smoking cigars since World War II. I mean, he fought in Okinawa, for God's sakes. Wow. You know, you take a guy a like that and tell him that he. World War II guys left. Yeah. Was, uh, you take yeah. a guy and you're going to tell him you can't have a cigar. You know what I mean? It's like. It's all getting a bit ridiculous. Well, it's, it's funny you mentioned that, too, about the, you know, quantity that's actually being made. I mean, it, Foundation Cigars, how many cigars are you making a year? I'm not going to comment on that to give you the exact, but 
it's just so uh, in the in the realm of everything else the whole between Nicaragua Honduras and the Dominican Republic there's 315 to 20 million units exported okay okay Nicaragua Honduras Dominican 315 320 million the machine made cigar market is 13 billion Whew. 300 million okay yeah. 13 billion right. that is that's a not even smokes man and <laughs> and that's just the cigar category uh, yeah, yeah. right you add in the other tobacco products we are t- it, it, you're talking about a fraction of a percent mm. i mean it's just so minuscule and then you're going to start to regulate the whole thesis from the fda is that they've seen an increased consumption of cigar smoking amongst youth okay that is true, but it's not these cigars we're smoking. The legalization of cannabis, all of those gas stations you go to, all of those convenience stores you go to, yeah. kids can go into those stores. They can't come into this shop. They can't go into a cigar shop. That whole market has exploded, right. and they're 99 cents, and they're flavored grape. This is what kids have been smoking. You know what I mean? There's... They're not rushing into cigar shops to buy ten dollars cigars to know no. about the the Cuban seed and the they don't care. It's really the government's inability to recognize premium cigars versus the machine made cigars. It's the government's inability, and it's large, larger companies that have interest in keeping the line divided. Mm. They own. Cigar brands, handmade, and they owned wow. mass market brands. I don't want them regulated either. You understand what I mean? I'm not for regulation. At the same time, we got, we got to protect our industry and what the industry is. They don't and have not done a good job at telling politicians. It really all comes down to Altria, Philip Morris. They don't want handmade product to take away market share from their cigarette smoking, right? So all of the tobacco companies, they're trying to get into the cigarette smoker. That's the biggest pool of fish, right? Right. Philip Morris doesn't want the definition to be in a, in a place where it's going to take market share from any of their products. Interesting. You see what I'm saying? Yep. No, the absolutely. larger companies know... If they have regulation, smaller companies like myself can't even keep up with the paperwork. Yeah. Right? So what would happen is, is you're just going to basically, it would not be good for the final consumers as cigar smokers. Because you're going to end up dealing with shopping at Walmart instead of, you know, a craft trade that exists. You know, it's just totally would suck the soul out of, you know, what the cigar smoker but the the final consumers it's tough because a lot of people don't realize it and haven't been like you know educated and it's not it's not a favorable thing that you want like a a politician there's nothing favorable about talking about the issue for them they only you almost have to do it without talking because once they bring up uh, you know politicians don't want to start defending tobacco they, they, they can't win on that because they're going to look really bad well and i think the only one that really has come out in support has been like marco rubio down in florida he's been yeah and, that's, uh, and i think a lot of it has to do with you know there are those 
tobacco farms down in Florida that I think he's looking at trying to protect as well. Well, it's that, yeah. So you have Jeff uh, Borshowitz in Florida from Corona that's grown, Florida sun-grown, has done amazing, you know, job. Florida used to grow a lot of Sumatra. Um, in the early 1900s, they were producing tons of, of tobacco, uh, wrapper tobaccos. So Jeff sort of brought that back. But I think a lot of it has to do with the Cuban population in Miami. Okay. And the amount of all of the cigar companies are out of Florida. So they either make in the Caribbean, but all of their warehouses and everything gets imported through Florida. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a lot going on for the state. Connecticut, I mean, you would ruin tobacco farming, jobs, mom and pop stores. You know, there's just no economic benefit whatsoever. And it's not going. It's not the problem. That's the thing. Right. You're going to end up spending all this money on such a small, small, tiny market that we exist in, and spending all this money and destroying small businesses, and bit, and you're not going to be even targeting the problem, which is you smoking. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not even. You know. That's why it's tough when you see cigar products in the handmaids in gas stations or convenience stores yeah you know it's like let's you know the convenience store if you study the history of it was designed by these companies and chips and sodas to build a customer base from a young age they knew if they could get young consumers consuming their products at a younger age than they have them for life so the convenience store if you look in it look i mean the colors the you know the only thing that doesn't have the only thing that doesn't have sugar or carbohydrates in it is water coffee and maybe beef jerky you know everything else is is like you know and then the cigarette companies you know they screwed everything up for all of us you know you know talking a lot of smack and and i don't know so it'll be a shame to see them, you know. But the fight is is real because this has been going on now, yeah. and the exemption is still on the table. So that's what we're really fighting for is in um, an exemption bill that says, okay, you can't regulate us like vape, like Juul, like all these other. I mean, it's just going to be a, a death blow right. to the whole, you know, industry if you if you go that route. This is different. Okay, if you're reasonable, we can, but most of the time it's not reasonable. You know what I mean? Nice. So hopefully you yeah. survive. And yeah. then I'm. Oh, we're in it. Then that's why I started yeah. the company yeah. when I did, is because if I didn't start it when I did, the cutoff date was August 8th, 2016. Oh, okay. So for how it stands right now. So we've, you know, we've been in it. We, we talked small business department at the FDA and we're just you know tell us tell us what needs to be done and uh, you know we're here to stay all right so as the innovations right you're up to eight sticks right now or eight, brands, eight different brands yeah different brands yeah right yeah now. Um, so do you have a website or something as you foundation cigars.com okay I've uh, been working really hard on some great videos we did a seed to cigar video oh, so I worked over yeah. a year on that so I really wanted to show the whole process so it starts with seeds in my hand nice. and brings you all the way through the process so I did a, a 10 minute version of that and a one minute version but foundation cigars.com Instagram we're 
I'm all over Instagram. Okay. Uh, Foundation Cigars are my personal is Nick R. Agua. That's my social <laughs> media name. Nice. So, Nick, um, the, the gin is, is yeah. the first venture into spirits for you? So, yeah. So, I'm not – I sit on the board, but it's my friend Adam. Is that, his name is Adam Von Gutkin um, out of Connecticut, okay. a friend of mine. He was – uh, doing a, a moonshine. Right now, all these names are fucking. Yeah, isn't it great? Yes, yeah. Von Gutkin <laughs> is one of the best names I've ever heard. He's got to right. be a character in a show. All right. Um, so he's heading up the project with Lord Carnarvon, and I'm, you know, I get to sit on and do gin tastings, oh, and uh, I've been involved in some of the fun stuff. But uh, yeah, so it's starting to hit stores this month. Okay. So yeah, they're on Highclere Castle Gin. Their Facebook is is great. So they're releasing. You know, by state, so people know when it's becoming available. So I'm going to keep an eye out for that. And, uh, and yeah. what is your vision or future here for uh, Foundation Cigars? My man, I just want to keep making amazing cigars. I love being around tobacco. I love being inside the humidors. So I just want to uh, keep building the brands. Like every brand that I've made means something. You know, really, to many levels to me, and just in my life and in the cigar industry so i just want to continue to build at a good growth i got a great team working with me in connecticut and um just keep making good cigars man you know that's what i just love to dedicated my life to it for the past 20 years so i'm not getting out any anytime soon until they they tell me to get out and i'm always curious so so you got your own cigar company yeah what cigars outside of your company do you tend to gravitate toward or do to, you to be perfectly honest I, I i don't get to smoke a lot of cigars just because i'm such a maniac with my own stuff and just having quality control you know if i could smoke every box to test it before somebody bought it to make sure it was good i would because again i know what it's like to be a cigar smoker and you know any sort of quality it's a reflection of me so to see something bad you know so i'm always trying my stuff so i don't get to venture out a lot if i do um i love dion from illusion he makes some great stuff pita tatuaje i love padrones i mean i do smoke padrone 3000 i used to smoke as one of my dailies um so i love those guys there's another guy um making cigars called dapper cigars and one of the smaller boutique okay. kind of companies that I've, I've taken to he's doing a great a great job um you know those guys over at roman are doing a great job matt booth is doing a great job 101 i'm a big fan so i mean <laughs> i love a lot of stick it's, it's a great time to be a cigar smoker i mean oh, it is I there's, mean, there's, so, there's much so much good stuff stuff out there yeah so. i mean just the level of quality of products are yeah um, i know a lot of a lot of uh, cigar makers when they're Cigar. Yeah. They have certain sizes that they right. Roll. I'm going to put you on it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> certain sizes yeah. that, that and certain style cigars yeah. that they prefer to have when they're blending, testing yeah. blends. I know certain guys like the Lanceros. Certain guys like Coronas or Toros. Yes. Yeah, What's your go-to? When you're six by fifty-two. Sorry, every time. Six by fifty-two. Yeah. Usually, like if I'm making a a brand, like a whole line, yeah. it always starts with six by fifty-two. That was always my size. Now, nowadays, my size would be, I'd probably gravitate more towards Corona size or, uh, you know, 46. Or, but for the longest time, Toro was always my size because the length, the ring gauge, to me, it just gives you 
a really good reflection of the blend, yeah. right? Of the just that ring gauge and that length. And then from there, I take it and blend. But I've been always started with the 6x52. That was just like yeah. since day one, I started blending. Now, out of your cigar, yeah. what's, what's your favorite go-to of every day like, I switch a lot man so I I go like I'll get a I'll smoke through Bach like this week I've been on Tabernacle 142 Lanceros so I get a box and then I'll just be smoking those straight through I, I do I love that cigar I mean I love yeah, if I had to choose I'd probably lean towards the 142 or the Tabernacle, um, the Robusto, the Robusto Broadleaf, Tabernacle Robusto Broadleaf, just for like a standard Robusto, you know, 50 ring gauge, that cigar is unbelievable. But the week before last, I was smoking High Clear Victorians all week, you know? I was smoking the Coronas and then the Robustos. Yeah. Nice. So I go in and out. I'll test a lot from, like, different bat, you know, runs that are coming in to make sure there's consistency there. But then I'll just I'll smoke through boxes to make sure the boxes are consistent all the way through. Right. Tough job. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Somebody's got to <laughs> do it. It's nerve I get stressed out. Yeah. You know, I get stressed out just because, you know, I ran quality control. Man, if you're not on everything, you know, there's never another – Every day is a new day. Yeah. You know what I mean? You can have quality control set, but every day, you know, if you're sleeping on the job, it can go awry pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So, and then fermentation piles. You're fermenting tobacco. You, hunt, you got th- tens of thousands, $100,000 fermenting. If you don't know what you're doing, or it goes, you can destroy it over like a matter of a day. Uh. You know? So when you have the, you're near responsible for that stu- kind of stuff. Sometimes it's it's hard to sleep. <laughs> I'm gonna go check. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's great, but it's like it's so tight. Like if you're not listening and know the tobacco, it's a living thing, and it's it can you know you don't know what you're doing. It can go awry pretty quick. But I enjoy it. Sounds like a very interesting lifestyle. <laughs> it is, man. It is. It is. There's not a lot of people, you know, that I'm fortunate. You know, guys say I want to get into blending. I want to do I said, you know, the only way to do it, you got to be around it, man. That's the only way I learned. That's the only reason why I know I had the ability and chance to, you know, be surrounded by it every day. That's the only way you can really learn it. So the Nick, best tobacco yeah. guys listen to the leaf. They observe. To the That's the only way because it never reacts the same way. So if you think it's going to be a certain way or be done at a certain time, you can have a general understanding of it. But if your observation skills, your taste, smell, you know, everything, I'm saying hearing, but hearing wouldn't apply necessarily, <laughs> um, then, you know, you can miss it. But Well, I, I enjoyed the hell out of this one. I'm glad you did. So, Nick, I'll keep. I'll stop cutting you off now. No, no. <laughs> I told you I could keep. Going. No, no. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, you know, My you pleasure. Got a lot of people here that want to talk to you and they want to hear your story and share some of your cigars with you. And I appreciate you sharing this one. My pleasure. I appreciate you guys. And, uh, yeah, thank pleasure you. talking thank to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having Cheers, me. Man. Thanks. Yeah, that was great. Awesome.